Today's program has been brought to you by Le Creuset. Visit Le Creuset for cast iron and stainless cookware, bakeware, pots, pans, and kitchen and bar tools. For more information, visit www.lecreuset.com. That's L-E-C-R-E-U-S-E-T.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. And welcome back to Sharp and Hot. I am your host, Chef Emily Peterson, broadcasting to you live from Roberta's Pizza in Bushwick, Brooklyn. With me today in the studio is the very endearing Paul Lowe, an author of his brand new book, Sweet Paul, Eat and Make, Charming Recipes and Kitchen Crafts You Will Love. Hi, Paul. Hi, how are you? I'm so glad to have you here. <laughs> Thank you. Just before we came on the air, um, you mentioned that you wished that you had a yard, and I was saying that I left mm-hmm. the city to live in New Jersey, and I brought you a dozen eggs from <gasps> my chickens. Oh so my God, here, really? that's our little icebreaker. <laughs> do, do, do you know that eggs are my favorite ingredients? I had um, I, a little bird whispered in my ear mm. that you really love eggs. Those were laid either this morning or yesterday, so you can enjoy them. Um, there, my chickens are on Instagram sometimes too. So, you can <laughs> <laughs> well, now I know what I'm going to have for dinner tomorrow. No, for, for for breakfast tomorrow. Well, there you go. Um, so you're here on your publication day. Congratulations! Yeah. How does that feel as a new author? All right, it feels it feels really great. I feel like I should just be renting a car today and go from like bookstore to bookstore and see if I can find my book. Yeah, and that must be so exciting. Or we can you can ask people to tweet you pictures when they see your book out in the wild. I know, I know. No, it's 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 really it's very exciting. And kind of bizarre because it's been such a long process. You know, so, writing yeah. a book takes such a long time. So now it's like finally out, and it's it's um, I don't know. It's a really strange experience. It, it's it's like terror and greatness at the same time. Yeah. There's um, a passage in your book that I, I have flagged, and I'm hoping that you'll read out loud because I think it gives mm-hmm. a, the sort of sets the tone. And the book is beautiful. I will say I've been Thank flipping you. through it, and I'm really excited to start doing some of the crafts and things that you have in there. Um, but here, if you would read this part, because I I have a toddler and I have a teacher's background, and there's mm. this story. I just got to this page and I just cracked up. So if you would read that, that'd be great. Okay, I will. So this is a true story. When I was six years old, I woke up early one Saturday morning with an idea. I was very focused, even at an early age, and that day I knew exactly what I wanted to do. I was going to bake cookies by myself. I had an LP record with a cookie baking song that I was obsessed with. It's a funny little strange song. It's called in Norwegian, Peppekakebake Sangen. <laughs> That's fun. <laughs> It's it's sort of a cross between The Cat in the Hat and Sesame Street with step-by-step instructions on how to make pepper cookies. I tiptoed down to the kitchen with my little record player. It was still dark out. I grabbed a bowl and started playing the song over and over again, singing along and completing each step of the recipe. What I didn't realize that the song was nonsense and had and wasn't a real recipe at all. After an hour hour of work and a full kilo, which is two point two pounds, of flour, sugar and butter and eight eggs, I gave up. 
There was a giant bowl of wet cement in front of me, and flour was everywhere, even on the curtains. Um, thank God I didn't have the courage to turn on the oven. I'm afraid I would put the whole house on fire. Worst of all, I was totally covered in a mixture of egg, flour, and milk, and I looked like I'd been battered and ready to be deep-fried. Suddenly, I heard a loud laughter from the doorway, and there stood Mom, Dad, and my grandmother. They had been awakening by this song and wondered what the heck was going on in the kitchen. I told them I was making cookies for everyone, but, you know, I had run into a few snags. After a few more giggles, my mom gave me a quick rinse in the tub while my dad cleaned the kitchen and my grandmother whipped up a batch of Norwegian pancakes with blueberry jam. So much better than any old cookies. Later that day, my grandmother snuck out to the local bookstore and bought a present for me. It was my very first and my very own cookbook. It's worn and beaten, but I still have it to this day. I just love, I love that story. And you know, when I, when I thought to have you read that, it didn't even occur to me the full circle, like going to the bookstores today to see your book <laughs> on the shelves. I know, I know. And it's really funny because I can still remember it so vividly. What I can mostly remember was like the fear I had because the place was so like, crazy dirty <laughs> and like how everyone reacted that they thought it was so funny and that must have like set you on a path that, like if you'd gotten yelled at if everyone's reaction was to be like oh my goodness you made such a mess oh mm -hmm. we gotta clean then it would have maybe like steered your whole life in a different direction but that it was in you know charming and funny and that you had a group of people around you who got you know got that that's that that's fun for a kid. Well, I was kind of, you know, I was, I was kind of a different kid. You know, I grew up with my grandmother and my great aunt. My parents were very much, you know, they were around, but they were working so much. So I was sort of left alone but with these two little old ladies. And their whole existence was to make me happy. So if I wanted to bake a cake, we would bake a cake. And if I wanted to, you know, make new pillows for my bedroom, we would make new pillows. And, you know, they were very smart in letting me help so in the kitchen i had my own little bowl and my own little shopping block and i had a knife which wasn't very sharp but you know i had my own knife and um you know they 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 let me help and showed me what to do and the best thing of all was that they um you know everything they made was wonderful and delicious but the cakes always came out a little loopsided and, you know, the, the seams on the pillow weren't always perfectly straight. But my grandmother would always say, in Norwegian, she would say, which means perfection is boring. <laughs> and I, 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 I just love that they sort of told me that because, you know, so many of us try to be perfect in whatever we do. And it's kind of like a false, you know, we're never going to be able to do that you know i don't care if the cake is a little loopsided i want to i want the cake to look like a person has made it um i just want it to be like super delicious and it, that it's so freeing i think when you get past the idea that what you have to do is be perfect yes suddenly absolutely. the whole world opens up to your creativity mm -hmm. because you know i teach people how to cook and often i you know i have people who are like they won't cut an onion because they're scared they're going to cut the onion wrong. I mean, I, you know, my job as their teacher mm -hmm. is like, just cut the onion. Like, what's the worst case scenario? You know, like, it's yeah. just an onion. <laughs> <laughs> 
No, I, 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 to I totally agree with you. And um, I, I, I'm really happy that they told me because, um, you know, if you, if you, let me put it this way. If you want a perfectly iced chocolate cake, then go and buy one. You know, I'd rather have it look like someone's actually made it. Mm -hmm. Yep. And I, I love that that started in your childhood with my son. I let him, he's all, he's a year and a half, he's 18 months. And I let <laughs> him stir the pot of like sauteing onions in my arms, you know, and it's safe. Mm -hmm. But I was allowed to use my father's chef's knives. My, my, both my parents were really good cooks from the very young age. And now, you know, it's like my own kid is going to get to do exactly the same thing because I want him set on a path of sort of fearless creativity. Yeah, it's very smart. And also, you know, they, I, I think that that will encourage the love of food mm -hmm. and the love of everything creative. And I think that's, you know, that's, that's just brilliant because that's what we need. And yeah. here's one of the things that I find frustrating. I go to the store, big box type stores mm -hmm. out in New Jersey where I live, and the cooking toys or like the play cooking stuff is always in the pink painted aisle. So the aisle is painted pink and all of the cooking stuff is there. And then there's the blue aisle that has like the trucks and the transformers and stuff. Oh, I had never thought about that. Oh, my God. That's absolutely true. And I wonder, like, do you have advice for, like, young boys and young men who are, like, you know, struggling against this idea that it's so, it's like, that's for girl, you know, that's a girly thing to do. I think it's just, you know, you have to be yourself and, and as a kid and as a, as a parent, if you have a kid that's, you know, it's a little bit different and, you know, sort of how is, is creative and, you, you know, you, you sense that, you know, maybe they're a little more sensitive and stuff like that. You just have to encourage them. It's so. It, that's what my grandmother and my great aunt and my dad and my mom they did. They sort of sensed that you know I was a little different. You know, I when I started school, it was like the biggest shock ever, because none of the other kids were interested in what I was interested in, because you know I was interested in like antiques and cooking and like interior decorating <laughs> and for my like i remember we had the, the first show and tell in school and and uh, you know everyone brought like their football or their doll i brought a 19th century english plate <laughs> I love and i that. and i and i was like standing up there and i was explaining what to do when you were looking for old plates and you know turn them around and show them the label you know the and and told them what to look for and um, my teacher sent a note with me home and saying that uh, maybe Paul should play a little more with other kids. Wow. So, And how did the other kids react to you? I remember they sort of nervously laughed and they kind of, I don't know, they were kind of, I was just different. I, they didn't care too much. Yeah. I was just like, oh, he's a little strange, but he's kind of fun. What fun would the world be if there, no one was a little bit strange? I was totally a little bit strange too growing up. And I look back and there were, you know, there were times when it was a struggle, but I wouldn't have traded being the kid who brought a doll in for anything, you know, like I'd much rather be a little strange. Oh, absolutely. I think it forms you. It creates, you know, it, it sets the standard to who you are today. So we have to take a quick break, but when we come back, can we talk about who you are today? Perfect. Okay.
Sharp and Hot is brought to you by the generous support of Le Creuset. Respect for tradition and authenticity has been Le Creuset's guiding principle since 1925. Yet, their innovative designs and exceptional quality ensure that they remain relevant today. The company began in 1925 when a casting specialist and an enameling expert opened their foundries at the crossroads of transportation routes for iron, coke, and sand. That same year, the first French oven was produced, laying the foundation for what is now an extensive range of cookware and kitchen utensils. Today, Le Creuset provides the finest quality stainless steel, stoneware, silicon, enamel on steel, textiles, and forged hard anodized aluminum, as well as the colorful line of cast iron cookware. Visit LeCreuset.com and shop the full line of cookware, stoneware, bakeware, kitchen tools, wine accessories, and more. Heritage Radio Network thanks Le Creuset for their generous support. Welcome back to Sharp and Hot. I am your host, Chef Emily Peterson. With me in the studio is Paul Lowe, also known as Sweet Paul. I have his book here on my lap on its publication day, Eat and Make. And we're going through it. Uh, during, during the break, you were saying that you played with coffee pots and not toys when you were a kid. Yeah, I was kind of a strange kid. And they tried to, they tried to put me in the kindergarten and I remember I going with my grandmother, and I asked them, do you guys have any coffee pots? And she said, yes, there's one over there. And I went over, and it was this rusty, ugly thing. And I remember I took my grandmother's hand, and I looked at her, and I said, sorry, honey, this place is not for me. <laughs> and then we left. <laughs> I refused to stay there. And then you tried again in first grade, and it stuck? <laughs> yeah, the coffee pot was beneath me. I could not handle it. <laughs> That's so funny. I have to say, your use of um, antiques and things, your sensibility is so beautiful. And it's really clearly communicated in the book. Like There's a visual language that I knew exactly who you were when I just from a single flip through. You have this... I'm I'm doing this. Your vintage tart tin mirror was like, (laughs) I I want a whole (laughs) wall covered in those. They're so beautiful. Um, I'm curious. So... Your magazine, Sweet Paul Magazine, mm-hmm. um, has been around for how many years? Four years. So for four years, you've been writing quarterly, right? Yes. And now you have this book that's <laughs> filled, and everything is beautiful and filled with these creative ideas, and you're a resource, resource for other people. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious to know where you fill your creative well. Um, by going to museums, listening to books. Um, I'm very inspired by fashion. So if I'm ever like in doubt, if I want to do something, I kind of, oh, what color should I use? What should I do? I always turn to fashion. There's something about the colors and textures. Like you can always pick something from it, even if it's from, for like a food story or, you know, some home decor or whatever. Um, And I guess I get my best ideas in the bathtub. (laughs) So I actually keep a stack of notebooks next to my bathtub and pens so that I can always write down. When um, you have an idea? Yes, yes. And I take very long baths, at least an hour. Wow. And do you think it's because you've like cleared your mind and now there's room in there for another idea to sort absolutely, of appear? Absolutely, absolutely. I think it's just, you know, everything is so fast today. And, you know, you get all the emails and everyone, you know, expect you to respond within like five seconds and they got upset. I feel I leave my phone outside, take a hot bath and just relax and chill and think. It's, it's, it's really cleansing. 
That's how I'm like, I'm, I can feel myself like relaxing just thinking about that. <laughs> and I know exactly how you feel with the emails popping up. And if you don't respond, you're in big trouble. Yeah, you know. But there is like the obvious, you know, fashion is obviously an influence. You have your um, natural dip dyed tablecloth. I tried to do this with a dress that I bought to wear to my wedding reception. Uh-huh. And it was white and lovely, but I it was rather sheer in a way that I didn't like. And so I tried to do this ombre dip dye mm-hmm. and it it turned out terribly. <laughs> so I just dyed the whole thing over again. <laughs> but it's kind of a good example of like, this was a precious dress. I'd worn it to my wedding reception and I mm. dyed it anyway. You know, like I, what am I going to do? Hang it on the shelf and never touch it. I'm not going to wear it because it's like a white sort of summery sheer dress. So I tried dyeing it, but I didn't follow the instructions that you have here. And I think that would have been a lot more helpful. I might've been more successful <laughs> <laughs> if I had. So what's your favorite recipe in here? Oh, there's several. Um, I think, well, maybe my all-time favorite is I do this maple roasted chicken. Oh, yeah, yeah, I saw that. Um, and the, it, it's super easy. It's like everything in the pan, you just pour over olive oil and, and maple syrup. And the, from the drippings, you make this gravy, which is like sweet and salt. It's, the, it, it's divine. I mean... I'm tempted to open up like Sweet Paul's gravy shop and just put it, <laughs> pour, pour it on everything. It's, it's it's that good. Maple syrup, I have to say, is in my top five favorite ingredients. I oh, could drink it with a straw. Amazing. I just just love it. So, how can people pick up this book? You, um... well, it's everywhere. It's like everywhere where books are sold. You know. So if I was you, I would totally rent a car and just drive around all day and be like, there's my book. There it is again. <laughs> I, I, I'm going into the city now and I definitely planned a couple of uh, bookstores. I'm go- and I'm going to be so upset if they don't have it. Well, what you about, just what have will to, I do? You just have to accept that that's a possibility and then, you know, and then you move on and you appreciate the ones that do. Well, I can always go up to the counter and be like, hey, guys, why don't you have As the sweet bowl yeah. to make? This is a beautiful book. You should have it. Yeah. I, I hope everyone picks it up. I think that the the masterful thing that you've done is you have beautiful photography and you have beautiful, um, just the texture of the paper is lovely. You have a turkey meatball for the dog in I here, know. which I love. And I love that in the head note, you say you double it so that you can have some for yourself. Absolutely. But everything looks so beautiful and yet it's so simple. And it's so, <laughs> you know, there's, no, I often... Um, I ask people a lot who are not professionals if they're intimidated by sort of food porn type pictures. Mm -hmm. And most people say no. Most people feel like they're inspired. And I feel like these pictures look like exactly what anyone can make them. Well, you know, it was very important for me. I've been been doing it, working with food for 25 years. And it's very important for me to make a book that I know that you will use. There's no need for me to make a book to show you how clever I am. Mm-hmm. I want you to use these recipes. So everything is very easy. You don't have to have any, you know, particular skills. It's just, you know, easy, fun, and delicious food. I love that. And there's lots of white space for making notes in the margins, too. Absolutely. Which is something that I love to do. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Everything looks so good. Well, um, let's see. I have... A question for you. Yes. I have a design challenge and I don't quite know what to do. Mm-hmm. When I was younger, I spent a summer studying in Italy because mm-hmm. I was going to be a draw. I was going to be an artist. Okay. So I ran away to Italy for a summer and I studied drawing and I made probably about 150 line drawings mm-hmm. and they're all on nine by 12 paper. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering if you have a display solution 
other than pick the best couple and have them framed and hang them on the wall. And it could be a book. It could be, but I there's right now they're sitting in a brown envelope on my bookshelf and well, I don't know what to do with them. That's kind of sad. Yeah, I know. And I love them and they represent this part of my life that I just love so much, but I don't know what to do with them to get them out onto display, you know, onto a wall. Oh, you have a big house, right? I have, I have a house. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I would fill a wall with them. Mm-hmm. I would go and get cheap white frames anywhere and I would just hang them on the entire wall, hang like frame to frame. You don't see the wall, you just see frames and put them in there. I love that idea. I mean, it's, it's silly not to, you know, show them off and then you will have a very unique wall and, you know, you will enjoy them and your friends will enjoy them. I have just the wall. I have a wall going up the stairs to the upstairs that you I see mm-hmm. every time I go in and out the back door. I think that's exactly what I'm going to do. And, this, and, and, you know, don't go crazy on buying, like, exp- try to find some cheap frames online. Maybe they're, you know, maybe they're wood colored and maybe you want to paint them white. You know, mm-hmm. that's easy. Um, yeah, I would do that. I think that would be so pretty. I like that idea a lot. Okay, I will do that this spring. I'm going to make that my project. And okay, I will, I want I'll send pictures. You a I want pictures. I will absolutely send you a picture. Good. And how can people find out more about you? What's your website? What's your Twitter? I know you're very active on Twitter. Yes, it's Sweet Paul Mag, both Twitter and Instagram, and we're on Facebook. And our website is sweetpaulmag.com. All right, excellent. And I, um, I've put up a link on sharpenhot.com. Listeners, you can go there and um, link directly to sweetpaulmag.com so that if you've forgotten or whatever you're hearing this later later in the day just click forward and you can purchase the book straight through paul's website um you can follow me on twitter at chef emily p and on facebook forward slash sharp and hot um will you tell us one more of your favorite stories from when you were a kid of your your little old ladies who i just could i could listen you talk about them all day long well i um I think I was around maybe five, and uh, we were sitting outside, and I snuck into the kitchen to steal a cookie, and they were like, on, of course, on top of the shelves because they were hiding them from me. <laughs> um, and I fell down, and my front teeth went through my lower lip, and I was bleeding, and I was crying. It was like complete horror. And we went to the emergency room, and I was crying, 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 and... Um, my grandmother mother was like, oh, you know, what? What? can, can you please stop crying? We, we'll buy you anything. What do you want? Do you want like a new coffee pot? Or do, what do you want? I should have, of course, have said, yes, I want a, you know, matching Louis Vuitton travel set. <laughs> but you know what I said? <laughs> I want fish pie. Oh, no. I wanted my grandmother's fish pie and it, the recipe is in the book. It's and it's so comforting, like a creamy white sauce. Absolutely, and and I remember, you know, we went home and she actually made the fish pie to dinner, and then the next day, she made another one to show me how she made them. Oh, that is awesome! Mm-hmm. I am so pro you and your. I just love you and I love your stories. Oh, and thank, thank you. you so much for being here and coming to Roberta's today. Um, listeners, if you have questions that you need answered, I might, I might forward some of them to you if I get decorating answers. Cause I, Absolutely. I don't, I'm just not good at stuff like that. I can do the cooking half of it. But if you have design <laughs> questions, pick up a copy of Sweet Paul Eat and Make. You can. Um, Find him at sweetpalmag.com. Thank you so much for being here. And listeners, until next week, keep playing with fire and knives. 
Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.